Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. A Biblical Study of Blessing The word bless is a regular part of life in the South. Clerks conclude the transaction with, Have a blessed day. Little old ladies conclude the gossip huddle with, Bless his heart. Families begin the meal by asking a blessing. Who doesn't want to receive the Lord's blessing? The Heavenly Father is the greatest gift giver, reputed for giving good gifts to his children. Jesus understood that obedience is tied to the desire for a blessing or the desire for a reward. Nine times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus motivates obedience with the promise of rewards. His followers should help those in need so they don't lose their reward in Mark 9:41. Those who obey God will have a reward in 1 Corinthians 9:17 and 18. Because God rewards those who seek him, we read in Hebrews 11:6. John tells Christians to watch themselves so they can win a full reward in 2 John 8. So a biblical theology of blessing is more than just an academic exercise. What does the Bible say about blessings? Consider six biblical principles of God's blessings. First, in an Old Testament survey, the Hebrew word brakah translates into the word blessed. This word occurs over 400 times in the Old Testament and is often contrasted with the curse of God. It generally signifies God bestowing good to his people. This is often material blessings, though it can also refer to spiritual blessings. And so the first biblical principle of God's blessings is that God blesses his people richly. Gage Crowder explains, We can see the importance of the benediction pattern in the covenant-making and covenant-renewing passages throughout Scripture. After God creates the world and places Adam and Eve in the Eden, He consummates his creation by blessing humanity before commissioning them and taking his rest. When God recreates the world in the days of Noah, the pattern of benediction and commission is repeated on Mount Ararat. God pronounces a threefold benediction while making his covenant with Abraham. Under the Mosaic covenant, the sacrificial offerings ended with a benediction, often referred to as the Aaronic blessing, which Aaron would perform in front of the tabernacle. When David desires to bless God with the house of cedar to dwell in on Mount Zion, God flips the script and pronounces an eternally secure blessing over David and his offspring. Later, Solomon blesses the Lord of heaven and earth and his people Israel for keeping steadfast love, covenant love, to David, his father, and all of Israel's generations from Abraham onward. After sealing the new covenant in his blood, the Lord Christ pronounces a benediction over his apostles immediately before his ascension. From beginning to end, God has been on a mission to bless humanity, end quote. The second biblical principle of God's blessing is that blessings are intended for wide distribution. The Abrahamic covenant is a promise to make Abraham a great nation, to bless him, to make his name great, to make him a blessing to all the earth, and to bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. This is not God's first covenant, neither is it something entirely new. The Abrahamic covenant echoes the conclusion of the flood narrative, Genesis 8, 15 through 19. 
Abraham, like Noah, marks the newest beginning to fulfill God's original plan of blessing the people of the earth. God will bless Abraham like he blessed Noah and his sons. The promise to Abraham and his descendants is the reiteration of God's original blessing to Adam and Eve. The families of the earth, which are listed in Genesis chapter 10, were dispersed because of their rebellion, which is described in Genesis chapter 11. These same people of the earth and their descendants are to be blessed through Abraham and his seed, as we see in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Before Abraham, the blessing came through not eating of the tree. Then it came by getting on the ark. With the Abrahamic covenant, the blessing is through identification with Abraham and his seed. Thereafter, the book of Genesis answers the question, Who is the seed of Abraham? Who is the seed of promise? Is Abraham too old to have a child? Is the promise through Isaac or Ishmael? Is it through Jacob or Esau? And which of the twelve sons of Jacob will be the future seed of Abraham? Jacob, in Genesis 48 and 49, distributes blessings to his sons. And the seed will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, it says in Genesis 49.10. In Genesis, the theme of the seed is tied also to the theme of blessing. Notice what Genesis 49.28 repeats three times. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. All the nations of the earth are blessed through God blessing Abraham and his seed. God promised Abraham a special relationship with his descendants of covenant blessings. Genesis 12, 2-3 And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Genesis 17, verse 16 I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Genesis 22, 17 and 18 I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Just like the Abrahamic covenant contains a universal missionary telos, so too does the Mosaic covenant in Deuteronomy 28.10. The first step in the salvation of the nations is the blessing of Israel. A multinational congregation will bear the name of the God of Israel. In the covenant of God, ethics is evangelism. God makes his people holy, and this attracts the nations of the earth, as we read in Deuteronomy 28.10. By blessing his people, God will bless the nations. The third biblical principle of God's blessing is that blessing is tied to fruitfulness. Now this is illustrated in Genesis chapter 1, verses 22 and 28. God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and have children. Blessing and fruit-bearing are closely connected. Jacob's blessing to Joseph is that he will be a fruitful bow by a spring. Just as blessing means fruitfulness for Adam in the garden, Genesis 1.28, Joseph's blessing is fruitfulness of the womb, we read in Genesis 49, 25. 
and prosperity for his children, which are Joseph's branches run over the wall in Genesis 49:22. But the blessing of children is only received by those who obey God and have children. When Yahweh's blessing was removed, Saul and his children died in 1 Chronicles 10. David was blessed and had many children in 1 Chronicles 14, verses 3-7. through When Rehoboam welcomed the Levites from the north, he was blessed with children in 2 Chronicles 11. But apostate Jehoram's children were killed in 2 Chronicles 21. The fourth biblical principle of God's blessing is that blessing and obedience are inseparable. Blessings are only enjoyed through obedience, which doesn't earn the blessings, but appropriates the distribution of them. Blessings are unthinkable without obedience, and obedience is unthinkable without God's blessing. When you add it all up, obedience is costly, especially in the Old Testament law. The law required animal sacrifices, tithes, debt release every seventh year, requirements to be generous, and Passover feast and payments to priest. Costly though it may be, covenant fidelity isn't burdensome, as we're reminded in 1 John 5.4. It is the condition for God's blessing, especially that of taking possession of the land. Deuteronomy chapter 28 reveals that God's covenant relationship with Israel includes blessings and cursings. The blessings include military and material prosperity. God's blessings are given not for Israel's merit, but from the fact that they are God's people who have received God's electing love. Blessings are built into the covenant God made with Abraham, and they are part of the continuing structure of God's covenant relationship with Israel. God's covenant with Moses echoes the three main elements of God's covenant with Abraham. You see this in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 8 through 11 where the three main elements of God's covenant with Abraham are repeated. God will make them a great people, God would bless them, and God would give them a land. Now we shift to a New Testament survey of blessing, and we consider the fifth biblical principle of God's blessing. Blessings occur within a covenantal context. In the New Testament, there are primarily two words and their cognates, that translate into the word blessed. The first is makarios, which usually describes someone who has the special favor of God. This word occurs 50 times in the New Testament. Twice it refers to God. Jesus uses the word in the Sermon on the Mount quite a bit, and also in the Sermon on the Plain, which is found in Luke chapter 6. Also, those who see, hear, and obey with faith are said to be blessed. Those who stand ready are blessed, and blessed are those not offended by Jesus. Blessed are those who receive God's grace. The second New Testament word for blessing is the word eulogitos, which means to praise or speak well of. This word occurs 41 times in the New Testament. Four times it is a blessing for a meal, which amounts to thanksgiving. Four times it is a blessing or thanksgiving for the Lord's Supper specifically, which is why the Lord's Supper is sometimes referred to as the Eucharist, which just means thanksgiving. Six times it is a blessing of praise for Jesus, and five times it is a blessing of praise for God the Father. 
19 times it is used to bless a human being, including patriarchs. Now there's a third word that's translated into blessing, and it's the Greek word katalogion. But it's used only one time in the New Testament. Interestingly, when Jesus took the infant in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. In Mark chapter 10, verse 16. This word means to bless ardently. So it basically has the same meaning as the other two Greek words, only with more loving fervor. Jesus is asking the Father to bestow divine favor, divine blessing on the child. And this is not a hypothetical benefit, but a covenantally significant benefit. And so the common factor for those three Greek words is that of approval. Sometimes man blesses God with approval and praise. Most of the time, God blesses man with approval, solidifying his covenant status and eschatological blessing. And the sixth biblical principle of God's blessing is that blessing is received fully in Jesus Christ. Christ is supremely blessed because he fully embodies the virtues of the law and obtains all the blessings of the law by his death and resurrection. Christ is the heir of all things, and Christians are co-heirs of Christ, which means they participate in the blessings of Christ and receive the richness of God's covenant blessings. The elect will fully experience the blessings of Christ when Christ returns and consummates the physical reconciliation of the world, complete with resurrected bodies, the final defeat of the enemy, the old cosmos refined with fire, and the recreation of the new cosmos. Then God's people will reign as kings with Christ, possess a resurrected body and spirit that are imperishable, and live in a new imperishable city. So in conclusion, the covenant concept of blessing offers a profound understanding of our place in the tapestry of the world. From the pages of Scripture, we glean a multifaceted understanding of what it means to be blessed. It extends beyond mere material abundance or worldly success to include the divine favor that touches every aspect of our lives. Blessings assume a covenant relationship with God that bring about spiritual fulfillment, peace, and purpose. It is in acts of love, forgiveness, and selflessness that we find ourselves aligned with the divine flow of blessings. It also means that those who receive blessings are the sort who share those blessings with others. Blessings are never individualistic or self-centered. They always look beyond our greedy desires and ambitions. By receiving the blessing of God, we become conduits through which blessings flow to the nations. This is the transformative power of divine favor that fulfills the missionary purpose of the Abrahamic Covenant. Thanks for listening. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.